Okay. Welcome everyone to study group building of it lasts. I'm I'm asking for any hearing, especially from people who haven't seen for a while, about your experiments, what you're learning, what your questions are. How's it going? Would anybody like to share something with that? Yes, I would like to share. Go. I had uh, the first, no, the second EHP dojo for Black Indigenous people of color yesterday, and I was uh, coaching and holding space for the space holder. And what I realized for the first time, like really in in my body is that there's no use of making people feel comfortable. There's really no use at all. And, and it's harming, actually. And in this delicate environment of a dojo, I, yeah, I could see also the opposite, like the value of making it safe with my anger, with my clarity, with giving feedback and coaching and I experienced how the space shifted and how yeah something else was possible for for them and I'm I'm glad about that because in I could take something from this space that I can apply to other spaces where I did not really got it until now wow can you can you give an example actually yeah, there's a, there was a woman, uh, she's been my client since a while, and she was saying things like, yeah, I want to quit my job, and I'm tired of this and that. But she's been talking about that for so, so long, and she was uh, ignoring her anger. And I told the space holder who was holding space for her, that she needs more anger to hold space for her, to make it more safe for her. And because she was a bit in this meditation mood and speaking, like what I do, like I saw myself in both of them. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> I said like, no, you need more anger. And then she, she had more anger so that the other one would get angry too. And she's from the same culture as me. So I know in this culture, it's so forbidden to be angry, especially wow. for a woman. And then she said, yeah, I, I can sense my anger coming up. Is it okay for you to, that I off my video to get angry so you won't see me? And the other the space owner said, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Just do it. And I said, no, it's not. It's, yeah, that was yeah, so sweet. the clearest situation where I, I could see, oh, wow, we're so, our brain is so fucked with making people feel comfortable that we even would allow in this space to off the video to get angry so that others won't see our anger. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy making. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, bet. You know, I just recently made a star, which is a startling tale about radical responsibility with regards to face yoga. You with bringing the muscles of the face out of the 
dead space of a nice, happy person because the muscles actually atrophy. Like you ask, you know, in trainings, you ask people to show an angry face and they go, (laughs) (laughs) like, no, 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 really like an angry face. They go, this is angry. I'm, I'm, you know, 3% angry. Well, 80%. 80%. Yeah. And so it's, it's really great to practice up with the muscles and bring them back to life so you can actually let your body use your face as a communication platform for what you're saying and feeling and creating. I mean, I love what you said, Habit, because for me, it's like I've realized how I'm holding space by holding space for other people holding space mm-hmm. and then noticing that the way they're holding space is a mirror of what I've been demonstrating and be like oh my god oh my god let's do something else (laughs) and and there's i haven't really found another way than to do that to train other people and then go on this discovery journey really together and i love what you said habet about you know that making a safe space is not about making people comfortable and i think that people are so this like people think being being comfortable is being safe you know, or or that um, making a safe space means m- being comfortable. And I'm, I don't uh, know if you guys could hear it, but right when Anne Chloe says it's not making a safe space is not about making people comfortable. This big thunder was outside, just right, emphasizing, underlining the message. I don't know if you heard that. It's happening right outside. <laughs> Nature confirms. Ah, thank you, Abit. Somebody else. I have a question. I'm researching this thing about the last man standing, and I noticed that is it's not only in spaces. I noticed that when I, for example, I go to an hotel Dor- room. Dor, can you say what what does that mean? The last man standing. The last man standing is in every space. There's going to be the person with that have resistance for the space, or he's going to hate the space holder, and we, it's called the last man standing. And if you try to get rid of this person, there's going to be another person that takes this place. So it's an energetic role that something in the space. So I'm I'm researching: is this the case in any space or anywhere? Is there's always like this thing that has the resistance that that is taking the role of the resistance of what I'm trying to do or or what the space has to offer. So even if I go to a hotel room and the room is perfect, there's always going to be the electricity break or or the water stop working. So and or if I, I I drive and I have this great day, I'm driving on my motorcycle. It's like wow, that was the perfect day. Nothing went wrong. And then my phone drops and my motorcycle drive over the phone. <laughs> so <laughs> Dor, I'm observing that there's a way that you don't have enough anger. Like this conversation is so perfect. <laughs> okay. You're making everything Thank really nice and comfortable for everybody and you don't have uh go into your pirate. Yeah, and then thank you. In the space with that. 
Yeah, I wanna. What I really wanna ask is 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 kind of like a reality check, or what's your research about it? Am I am I is this like a is this like a fantasy world that I'm creating for myself, and it keeps manifesting, or did you find that it's like that? That's what I'm trying to land in this space. It's like that. It's called the denying force. You have the asserting force, the neutral force, and the denying force. It's laws of nature, and. The whole point of a lot of possibility management stuff is to be aware of it and to not be a victim of it. And I think something Mark is saying is like your stories were funny, but the true pain of having your phone run over or the fucking neighbors hollering at each other in your expensive hotel room in the middle of the night, you know, this there's rage. This is rage and it's rage about the denying force and a some of the work for space holding is actually about bringing the denying force inside of your space. So it does not have to attack your space from the outside. Again, emphasizing what Mark is saying is that if your anger is not included in your, in the inside of your space, the anger has to come in from the outside because it's going to show up one way or another. So it's, it's a whole, it's a different conversation than radiant joy, brilliant love, you know, building love that last study group space. It's just more of a space holder conversation, but it's very real stuff about the third, you know, the denying force and being able to navigate spaces by including the, uh, such forces more consciously. I mean, I think some of it is that, and some of it could also be, you know, the universe kind of waking you up about, you know, being on a motorcycle and thinking, oh, I'm having the perfect day. And it's like, what kind of fantasy world are you in? You know, it's like, <laughs> and it's just going to be like, wake up door, you know, and I, that's not about the denying force. It's the universe being, you know, be here, you know, be present. This is, there's, there's reality and it includes whatever it includes material reality, you know, with your phone but it's it's a I think it's in that example it's more of this wake up call, and I you know I have it where I I often if I it often the wake up call I have is like I hit my you know I hit my toe I hit my knee I hit my elbow I you know I get bump into into things or it's like okay I'm not I'm not paying attention it's like a, I take it as a wake up call and I say thank you I, I say thank you to the universe. And rub my toe so that it doesn't hurt so much. I'd like, I'd like to add one thing to something else you said about the last man standing. When you were talking about it, it almost sounds like you invite that into your space. As opposed to you being that. Like, use your anger and you be the last man standing so nobody else has the need to step into that role. Something like that, if that makes any sense. For the sake of the conversation, yeah, thank you, Mark. Great. I just, thank you, Mark. For the sake of the conversation, I'd like to distinguish between The Last Man Standing, which is, I think, a movie with, with Bruce Willis in it, which is about who, whoever's not dead yet is still, the last guy who's still alive wins. Everybody tries to shoot each other, but the last guy who's not dead yet, he wins. That's called The Last Man Standing. And actually what we're referring to is, is the last man syndrome, or the last person syndrome, which is the person farthest away from the group norm. 
And that that's a cool theory from Mark is like, what if you as a space holder are farthest away from the group norm? So that you occupy the role of the last person in the space, the most the most farthest away from the group norm is probably the best way to serve the group in terms of providing clarity, possibility, wake up calls, distinctions, processes, and like that. So to be the last the, the last person, you know, the farthest away from the group norm. You know, because our, our survival strategy is usually to try to match the group norm. And then we can be included in the group. You know, we're part of the group if we if we fit. And then, but it's so fascinating to take away, like Dor started to say, as you take away the persons one at a time who are the farthest away from the group norm, and you find the last person is the person defining the group norm, meaning essentially everybody's giving their authority and away, their center away to that person who is the most normal, you know, the most, and it's uh, to keep your eye out for that is really useful in terms of what are you doing with your center? Who are you really? Where are you putting your, where are you giving your authority away? Cool. Ingrid. I, thank you. Yeah. I'm doing an experiment in the moment about centering. And I, I noticed that it's so so clear and almost ridiculous to say that I notice being in my center means being in my being. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not in my center, I'm in my box mm -hmm. and or women or parts of it. And, uh, and so I do in the moment micro experience about every few seconds to check if I'm in my being um, and it brings really um, it brings it helps me to be in a short uh present presence and not to run away in my mental body into future and planning and it um it brings me um because I don't know what I will do in a, in uh, uh, for example, after this call, uh, it brings me to new places and uh, to unknown places. And I, I really appreciate that experience in the moment. Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, having a small now. And then you go, well, what am I going to do after the talk or after this meeting? And then it becomes obvious after the meeting. It's, yeah. But if, if you have this plan all the way out, you know, all these plans, then you're not actually in the, the present because you're involved in all the plans or maybe even stories about the past. Wow. 
Thank you. Ingrid, are you still in Germany? Where are yeah. you? Yeah. Okay. In at the Mosel. Okay. And it, yeah. it, do you walk in the streets? Do you meet people? I mean, do you have friends there? Yeah. Okay. All right. Are they okay with your experimenting? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sharing it. And I have so uh, refreshing, deep conversations. I'm, I'm, I feel so much joy to live. It's beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I haven't, I did not see you the last couple of meetings, so I, I wondered what experiments you were doing. And it's like the every time you you share one of your experiments here, it's really gold for us. So thank you for bringing your experiments here. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Alice, Catherine, one of you guys. Yeah, can can you hear me with my yes. microphone? Ah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm showing up here actually in liquid state. And because I just had the opportunity to go with my current experience experiment, which is I am figuring out what it really means to hold space for myself and to experiment on taking over radical responsibility for my own for navigating my own emotions and feelings. And I just had a trigger situation where another gremlin wanted to attack me. And normally my usual reaction would be to go into a emotional reactivity or to attack back, like freaking out or playing a tantrum. And I, in my mind, there would be this like, I have all the good reasons to do so. I'm right. And it helped me so much to distinguish between what is my being and what's my gremlin. Hmm. And also in the other being, is it the being who attacks me or is it the gremlin? And yeah, I, and, and so I was really standing there and like, okay, I can rely on, on the other gremlin now that like this other being or gremlin would hold space for me. And, and, and also I, I didn't want to reach out to another space holder and I have an EHP schedule tomorrow. And yeah, what I did, I was like, okay, I go out of my mind and I, I, I just feel what is there. And so I did some rage work and after it, like sadness came and yeah. And after it, 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 it felt like almost neutral or peaceful. Like, and then I was checking in, like, is this now my numbness bar rising up? And yeah, it was, at the end, just an amazing experience to, to really, it felt like I felt empowered that I could just be there with myself and not, you know, attack someone else or, yeah, allowing my feelings, my emotions to, to, to attack someone else back. And yeah, so I'm still, I'm still liquid. And yeah, that's, that's how I show up today. And that's also my sharing of my current experiment. Thank you. No. I mean, Alice, why do you say liquid? Because what you're describing really sounds like life. Mm -hmm. 
It really, it, like, mm. like Ingrid, Ingrid said, she, she's shrinking her now to smaller and smaller now. But that's how life happens now. And you just describe a, a series of events where you taking radical responsibility, using clarity, trying experiments, and you feel things and you try things and then and you notice things and it and and you have a small now and so mm -hmm. it it doesn't it doesn't really match i mean maybe maybe what's liquid is your belief your idea about what a life is mm -hmm. what life what, mm -hmm. liquid is. Mm -hmm. what living is supposed to be i'm happy and everything's fine mm -hmm. yeah you know, that might be the model that you're using for life but what you described is really for me an accurate description of being alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that distinction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you're really fine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are you feeling right now? Like a low level fear like is is this really how it works like can i really be responsible for myself like like yeah i feel empowered in a way and that it's you it's the unknown and that's the level i feel fear because of the unknown because of this new set state i am in and also joy. We could see that. I thought you were not going to mention it. <laughs> we, we could see the joy there. Just as a side note, yeah. Too <laughs> <laughs> much joy. Yes, there's joy. <laughs> I have a question. Uh, could it be that the... Um, Leichtigkeit, how you say that? Lightness. Lightness of being in the present moment is so unusual that you can't believe it and you doubt it and you fall back to your problematic being. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, box. And I had to learn that lightness is joy and is about uh, airy and and uh, and so the, I almost said that that's why books can't believe in and it feels like unreal in the beginning, mm -hmm. but it's real. <laughs> thank you yeah thank you Ingrid wow thank you Ingrid hmm. I also want to share and ask something first um, I am in Georgia now I arrived yesterday so Georgia in the, in the country or the, the state in the country just wait. And maybe my internet is not so stable. That's good. Okay. And 
yes, about that, I'm very, very happy. And I don't know yet why I am here, but I am here and I am enjoying. And the question, what is alive with me? I'm holding space for... Meanwhile, I have different clients coming um, regularly. And there is the question about professionality. Are these and online clients or Georgian clients? Um, online and on-site clients in Switzerland. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... One part is that I realize how important it is that I'm connecting also energetically to every space I am, I am holding or I am in. And then there is this question about professionality. And I'm, I'm now I, I feel sad about this concept because this is creating a distance and I don't want to have this distance anymore and my question is <laughs> yeah what, what what is your experience about professionality and and is it okay? <laughs> Actually, this is the question. Is it okay when I'm really there, when I'm really connecting and when, yes, when I, when I'm holding space and at the same time, I'm vulnerable. Catherine, we, uh, Clinton and I held space for a work talk in, in Portuguese, in, in Brazil. I mean, it was online, but it was translated into Portuguese. And the, and the work talk was how to create um, nurturing connection in your relationship. And it, it turned out we started talking about this, this pyramid of the patriarchy. You know, and however, wherever you are in the pyramid, you think there's people above you and there's, there's people under you. And then there's this profession, like the professionalism that you're talking is part of this pyramid. It's like there's ways that you behave, you know, for the people above and the way you behave for the people under. And that one of the ways to, you know, step out of the patriarchy is to have this question, this, or be in this space, be in an experiment that does not belong to the patriarchy. For example, I want to know what you feel. Like, would, can you tell me what you're feeling right now? That does not belong here. It does not belong in the pyramid. And so immediately when you start doing experiment outside, this idea of professionalism collapsed because what is the professionalism for? You know, it's to keep, it's to keep the hierarchy going. The professionalism is to keep the hierarchy going. And you can say, I'm outside. And then you experiments the spaces that you hold, even with your client, you, you you take it it starts outside of, of the of the pyramid and that's when like you said that's when you can you can be vulnerable you know you can be naked you can be 
seen because because you don't have to have the mask for the people above and the mask for the people below. The distinction that's important when you move from the hierarchy to a circle where this you're at eye level with everybody, the distinction is, do you have your personal bubble of space? Because mm-hmm. it's in order to facilitate, to navigate space that's useful for the other people, it's you have to be connected with them at the deepest level, to be right there with them at this, this moment in that level. And they, if they feel something, you will feel it also. But if you do not have your bubble, then you will be kind of as overwhelmed by their emotion as they are. And then it's not so useful. But if you have your bubble and, and you go, okay, that's their feeling. This is what they're feeling. This is their emotion. Then then you, you sense it, but it's not yours. Just just sort of like like we were doing with Alice, we could all feel that Alice was feeling joy, but it was just, it was like that, it was, I mean, I was feeling joy that she was feeling joy, but they were separate. They were distinguished, yeah. So that's the important distinction to make. It's like they're feeling joy, but it is their joy. And I have my feelings, whatever they are, and they have their feelings. And we can both <clears throat> connect and sense and, and de- detect the other person's feelings. And that's how we navigate the space. And and in archiarchy, like it depends what culture you're in. But in archiarchal culture, if you're not, if you don't, if you don't sense what the other person is sensing, you're in your head, or you're in a terrified, contracted state, or you're, you know, you're in a fantasy world. Yeah, in a fantasy world or something, but mm-hmm. you're not there. And so it's, you know, in in archiarchy, it's totally. Then you put that on the table. You know, where are you, or what's going on for you? that you're not really there. You know, that would be an, a consideration, a question. But so... I, I just want to... You know, it could also be that people are in a belief system, mm-hmm. which is being professional in a hierarchy is a belief system. It's like a religion. Co- like a corporation is a form of a religion with beliefs. And you can say, God, it's, you know, why, you know, why are you not there? Well, how come you're in the belief system of the corporate religion? You can ask questions like that instead of being with me right now. Yeah, and it's it's straightforward to frame up your conversation with anybody in in terms of yes, I'm speaking to you from a culture called archiarchy. So, what culture are you speaking to me from? What are the traditions in your culture? Well, one of the traditions in my culture is it's okay to feel and to connect and to provide clarity and navigation aid for other people's feelings if they ask you and that's a different culture than most people are in but if you establish that at the outset of what what the culture is for your conversation or your interaction then it's completely valid like you don't have to make excuses for like oh my god i'm actually feeling something and and i'm supposed to act like i'm in a a patriarchy being professional professionally Mm -hmm. numb of course when your clients come in you could you could play the um, Pink Floyd music um, in the background, you know, comfortably numb. You could have that as your waiting room music, <laughs> and then they would understand that you're <laughs> making an invitation for something. It's like at a dentist office, you know, they have this background music, so you put comfortably <laughs> numb in your in your right. office. Does that help, Katrin? Yeah. 
yes, I take with me this into going into the circle and and even though i I can be in a circle with with um this mechanical way of being, but yeah, it's and the distinction oh, between can I ask you something? Like, well, like, I never go in anybody else's culture, basically. Now, why would you go in, in a, with a mechanical way of being? Why would you do that? I mean, because I I'm really used Because what? Because I'm used to. Ah, okay. Then you have to use Ingrid's technique mm-hmm. of every few seconds checking which culture you're in. Mm-hmm. Where's your center? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the part with some sometimes I have the impression that I am resonating very strongly with another person. I can uh, and Catherine, are you then, talking about clients or about you know somebody in the street or friends? Clients. Okay, and. Your distinction about the bubble and the their feelings, my feelings, sometimes it seems to me that okay, that, that maybe I take it over. That I'm You take their feelings. Their emotions. You're taking their emotions over. So yes, I feel them and I feel them really with with all the hormones in my body. Yeah, that means you don't have your bubble in your grounding cord. Okay. You really, you need to make that bubble in the grounding cord and just keep it there. Every three seconds you check, you just keep going. Do I have my bubble? Do I have my grounding cord? And keep breathing mm-hmm. in your center. And, you know, and one one additional tool is if it really gets, you know, intense and, you know, your bubble is like you know shaking make a black hole make a big black hole and leave it the whole session and make sure to vanish it but the black hole really mm-hmm. helps also to not have the the space filled up with emotion and and it's um pressuring your bubble yeah then you have to build a wall yeah and you have to go numb you're either overwhelmed or you build a wall and mm-hmm. it's so it's so great to have a bubble in a black hole mm-hmm. in a grounding cord mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah. maybe yeah can I, I want to ask you something, but maybe you want to finish what you said. My thought now was, ah, maybe the moments when I'm really centered and grounded and I'm, yeah, in, in relation, that's what, what I, what I'm looking for and what is not professional. Uh, yeah. Um, Dor, what do you want to say? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you, I heard you say in the beginning that there is this question about professionality, but you didn't, I don't know if you want to share about that, but how this question happened, like someone coming into your office after he's your client, you already paid and he asked you that, are you professional? Like, how does that happen? Because what you're describing also, it sounds a bit like a hook, like you're getting hooked. So I, I wonder 
how is it happened? Like, what's the mechanism there? Yeah, it's only it was nothing coming from the outside. It was an inner question. When I'm sitting in front of of someone, and and the space becomes a density, and and the, the connection happens on different levels, then I I am fully present with with my being, and there is no such thing as a I'm a professional and I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, it makes sense it makes sense what you're talking about yeah I mean what you're describing is a professional in archiarchy a professional yes. possibilitator different kind of professionalism I mean I remember um, before I had ever held space for Rage Club I think it was right before my practice expand the box and we were practicing with Clinton and Clinton was willing to role play a client. And it was sort of like a, a possibility team rage club space. And I was totally liquid and I could feel my box and, and gremlin being hooked. And, and so in the middle of this role play, you know, I say, oh, you know, I give up or like, I can't do this. And Clinton looked at me and says, no, you can never do that. You know, you can never like believe your own victim bullshit story when you're holding space for other people. You have to be with, you know, there and with them. And, and it was kind of a wake up call being, okay, I, I, I don't get to break out of character. I don't get to give the space holding to somebody else. I don't get to abandon the space. I don't get to give up. And, and, and that's, for me, that was the definition of being professional. It's like, I'm, I, you know, I committed, there's necessity, people are here. And so I'm going to write it, you know. How, ride it. Yeah, ride it. Like ride the wave, ride the roller coaster. And even if I don't know, even if I'm freaking out, even if, you know, and I can, I can be, um, whatever, uh, honest about God. I'm, you know, I'm freaking out or I have an emotion. But even that does not give me permission to abandon people. You know, to abandon the space that I created. Your box is freaking. Out. Yeah, my box. Yeah. So. I. Cool. Thank you. Ingrid. Yeah, um, what you are talking and Chloe reminds me of an insight I had. It's impossible that I create something because I'm creating everything in my life. It's impossible that I create something which is bad for me, man. I, I need, mm-hmm. I, it's, um, if I think so, it's only my box. <laughs> I, um, my being can't create something which is bad for me. I need to, Step out of the box or to, or to switch is impossible. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't that give you radical reliance on your, on your, on your creating? Yeah. On what you're yeah. 
it gives you radical reliance because yeah. it, it is bad for me is a story. Yeah. The story would come from the box. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mark, I have a question for you. Do you, are you delivering spaces? Like are you holding space for processes or any kind of team or anything? Um, I was with a team and I uh, held space for an EHP uh, two weeks ago. Right okay. now though, I'm traveling. Um, but that's the first EHP I've held, held space for in probably a year and a half or two years. Hmm. I mean, I'm... where I do hold space tends to be at group functions such as the New Culture Summer Camp West mm -hmm. that I went to last summer and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, because I'm... But those are sporadic. You know, yeah. they, they happen and then there's nothing type yeah. of thing. So. so I'm not sure where this is coming from, but I get that maybe my archetypal lineage is asking you if you would hold more process spaces either teams or one-on-one -on -one coachings for people because it's like every time you come on to the study group you you get food but you also provide food you're also a really powerful provider and if you are not using that you know if you're not putting it to good use it's just not healthy in a way the flow is bogged down you know it's like a you know, when water stops moving, it it becomes unhealthy. And so it's like just a, the information that's coming through is just saying, Mark, will you, what about considering, you know, setting up a spark study group online or something, a regular and offering on single coachings more regularly, just really as a, as a way, because you, you're a tremendous resource also. So I know a lot of the people in here are doing that. They're, Almost every day they're offering some kind of processes and space navigating, and that would be just an invitation for you to play play like that. I accept the invitation, and I would say your comment a couple of weeks ago that I'm not telling you what I'm doing is accurate. Right now I'm in a huge experiment that I wasn't even expecting. I'm visiting my father who has been on hospice for years, so it's like, see him while he's alive type of thing and to do so I came in and was going to stay with my sister for a few days and then go and I discovered that for the last three years my sister has been in a huge depression and the house I'm in right now is almost unlivable wow you, you saw my bedroom a couple years ago when I had boxes to the ceiling. Yes. The whole house is that way, and her boxes are not boxes. They're garbage. Well, Like, she'll get takeout, bring it home, set it down someplace, and it's still there. Wow. So I'm, I'm discovering all this. The, the last week, the whole walk through the drive-in and everything, I was in a hotel because she could not process me being in her house mm. and it took her four days to get to a point where she could wow so i'm i'm in the middle of a big experiment um on the positive side on the positive side i'm interacting with her in a more positive holding my ground and not running over her 
at the same time. That's, you know, that's a tricky thing. Yeah. Um, she's just coming out of depression. Three years ago, my mother died. And then a week and a half later, her husband died. Oh. So, so there's a lot going on. But I'm also discovering something about myself. She and I both grew up with parents who are hoarders or um, what's it called? Clutters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like we need the whole family needed to go clutters, clutters anonymous, right? The, the group, the support group. So I'm actually looking this information up. Two days ago, I was all over the internet, like reading about it and going, ah, I can't fix this for her. Mm-hmm. Right. Because she'll just pull it back in. I can't go with a garbage bag and just throw everything away. Mm-hmm. And in the last two days, we made some progress. Wow. And she's now out of town working. Uh, um, she does a like a, a fair where they sell products. She works for some guy that she sells his honey and stuff. And so, and I'm watching her animals. Thank you. But I'm in this space. The stove is not available. I oh. have a slow cooker with a bowl of chili in it. That's what I'm eating from. That and a microwave are all I got. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's just like, I'm just like, oh, how can you do this? And just doing it anyway, right? Just like, this is the only sharp knife I can find. It's a butter knife. And I cut up two red peppers to put in the chili using a butter knife. Because that's all I have. It's just like, you know, it's life. Like you said, it's life. And not getting frustrated and not being like, oh, she's terrible. And just being like, ah, this is an illness. This is real. And I have it too. And then like, well, I can't wait to get back home and fix my bedroom because now I know why I'm avoiding making deeper connections with people in the dance community. So I've been in the dance community in Eugene for the past three months and it's been wonderful. And like I had these encounters with people and I don't go anywhere with it. It's just like, yep. And it stays on the dance floor and I come back the next week and all that kind of stuff. So those are all of my experiments just about. Thank you. That and trying to get organized to go to summer camp West this summer and, or go to Poland in, in the fall. So like all that's still up in the air for me thank you it's great to just get a more of a sense of the mark world and my talisman has become not found for the past two months it's like i knew exactly where it should have been i went there to get it and it's not there and that's so I put out feelers, but it's like it hasn't come back. So either I'll find it or it's gone. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have to get a new one or something. It happens sometimes. I mean, and Chloe's not telling this story, but it happens. It happened. I have my facilitator stone. Yeah. That I have not lost. Yay. <laughs> I mean... Thank you. Does anybody else want to say anything right now? Okay. Because we're really hard on uh, exactly where we are in the book right now in terms of experiments and stuff. So I just want to keep reading where we left off last time. 
which was, uh, it's called the Sample Intimacy Edgework Experiments section on page 236. Which is, I just want to say, if you you were not in the study group last week, it's basically ideas, ideas to do extraordinary edgework experiment with your partner or really anybody. And the, the, the one before was about discovering slowness together, which is huge. We've got a lot of people sharing about how remarkable it is to slow down and to notice the speediness, what that causes and what, what's possible in slowing and in, in enjoying that. So the next idea for an intimacy experiment is get dangerous coaching. And so, you know, all of these experiments are scary. So this one is also scary, but the instructions are bring your pen and your beat book to your partner and read them the following sentence. Do you have a minute to coach me? If they say yes, you keep reading. If they say no, you make an appointment to read this to them at a later time. So and keep reading, you go, here is a pen and my beep book. And you hand them your pen and your beep book. Would you please write down three specific experiences that could add new dimensions to my personal development? And also write what would be useful for me to learn about. And then, then they write this down in your beep book. So that the great thing about that is it's in black and white. You know, it's it's not a, a word because a spoken word, because the spoken word kind of vanishes from the space in about three seconds. The echo goes away. Or enters our box and then isn't interpreted by the box. Yeah. It's like it gets another meaning. Yeah. So this is written. You've got you can read this thing a thousand times. You can keep you can ask questions about it. You can try little parts of it. <clears throat> so you do not say a word while they write things down. <clears throat> then when they're finished, you do not read what they have written immediately. You don't read it right there. So the quick interaction does not involve any discussion. It's not a discussion about it. You just say thank you. And then essentially you, you go away. Then you do this same exercise, the same experiment with two other dangerous people. Walk up to them. Could, do you have a minute for me? You know, do you have a minute for, for to coach me? Do you have a minute to coach me? They say, yes, you hand them your book and they write three things down for you. So you do that with three other people, two other people. And meaning p- dangerous people are people who know your your patterns. They know your weaknesses. They know your habits. They know they know your box <clears throat> enough. So it's not just a complete stranger, although you might be surprised what incredible feedback you can get from a complete stranger who you know, theoretically does not know you, but they can really just read you. So a dangerous person is somebody whose box is significantly different from yours or whose gremlin is bigger than yours or people that you regard as having authority, somebody who has authority. You go to them. These, these are what I call dangerous people. And then you make a plan in the next week to undertake two of the experiences suggested to you on the, on your, in your beat book. 
So you have three from three people. So you've got nine and do at least two of them in the next week to go do the thing that they suggest. Your experiments can be solo, you know, by yourself, with your partner or with a friend of the same gender as you, whichever serves you best. So that's that's an intimacy experiment. Because we were having this conversation about space holding and a number of you here are, are space holders. There's a story from, uh, how do I call him? Like a transformational guy called Jim Zarvos. And the experiment mm. is in one of the different talks that is online on the Next Culture Radio. I would recommend if you're a space holder, you know, in any kind of specialty to listen to his talks. Because he's, whatever, it's so full of experiment and experiences. And he said he wanted to get, he wanted to be a trainer in a context. I can't remember the name. And he, the trainers kept saying, you know, you can't be a trainer. Like, you know, get out of here. Like, we're not going to train you. And he he didn't give up. Like he said, I I, I want to be in this work. I want to do this. And so he he made a list of 12 of the trainers that he regarded, you know, had respect for and who had authority and he called them up and say, you know, give, give it to me, you know, give me feedback. You know, what, what can I do to, to be a trainer? What is, you know, what's missing? What am I not seeing? Like, and he would just listen for like half hour and he would write notes about what they were saying and called everybody like those 12 trainers and did everything that they said. Like, even if he didn't trust it, even if he was freaking out about it, he just did every experiment, every, you know, step every experiences, every, you know, read every book, whatever the thing was, he just did it and ended up being a trainer in that context. And and so it's just the kind of, you know, unreasonable, unreasonable step to to do on on some kind of whatever on the path of evolution as a space holder. But, yeah, but the point yeah, is, it's not about, about this. Uh... I just want to say the point is not, you know, especially for people who have boxes like or gremlin that beat yourself up. This is not an experiment in, you know, having, you know, three hour call with people, you know, three hours of recording to beat yourself up with. The point is when you get to the necessity of I want to get to the next level and I'm and I'm and I'm stuck and why am I stuck? And it has to come from that necessity. Can, can you share a distinction about how to ask for feedback? Because I heard before that sometimes if you ask for feedback, it can give, it can serve something to the gremlin of the other person. So instead of feedback, we ask for proposals. So can you share in this experiment? Because I'm, I'm asking because I want to do this experiment. So how to ask for this feedback without because I heard that there's there's the thing when you ask for feedback is about is asking the gremlin of the other person. So how do you ask that? Yeah, it's it's. Do you ask for proposals or coaching and not feedback or? No, you can ask for what's working and what's not working. You can. It's just simple as that. You just say, just let me know what your sense is not is not working about how I am with you, how I am with other people. You know what? Just tell me what's what you sense is off. You know what has mixed purpose, or is it? It's not working, and you just keep it simple like that. 
Okay, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So I'm going to keep reading here for the next suggestion, another example of an intimacy edgework experiment. This one is called Heal the Big Wound. It says, more women than you might suspect. And since I wrote this a number of, you know, many years ago, I've had a lot more experiences since then. And I would now add men to this. But more women and men than you might suspect have been physically or sexually abused in their childhood by men or women. It's just been shocking in the last years to see how much abuse is going on. Really. When such a woman or man wishes to have physical intimacy with their partner, there may be well there may well be memories locked in their body from long ago that interfere with physical intimacy or actually intimacy of presence also. Intimacy of presence is really vulnerable. So when there is a memory of abuse from the past, which could also be a previous life, but there's often sometimes also not just a memory, but also a vow, an old decision, like a promise. I will never trust people again. I will never reveal myself. I will never connect. I will never show myself. I will never lead. I will never speak. Like These are vows. And it could even be vows of revenge. I will get revenge for this. And so all your current currently arising opportunities for intimacy are actually hidden efforts on your part to take revenge. And so this is a lot of interference with presence and intimacy, these old vows and these old memories. But they're locked in from long ago, and they interfere with being able to enjoy yourself in intimacy. A healing is called for. And in the healing, your partner can participate in your healing process. You navigate the healing process, but they can participate. So as as partners in this experiment, you should read through this and talk about this stuff in the book beforehand, before you do anything. So when the person is ready, you would tell your partner, I am ready to begin the edge work experiment. And then in this experiment, there's many possible experiments like this, but in this particular experiment, the person says, um, the person who is doing the experiment with the other person is, as their partner, as the role player, the person doing the experiment determines everything about this. Mark, I'm sure you're familiar with this kind of experiment from the groups that you're in. But it's this, they determine everything about this experiment. So the, the partner follows your instructions as sensitively and gently as they can, particularly without speaking and in complete acceptance of your instructions. So if they have resistance to your instructions, the experiment's over because they have to do their own healing process before they can participate in your healing process like this. So you just take... In when they can be totally accepting of your instructions for that experiment, 
because it is it is your experiment. You're the one doing the experiment in complete privacy with both partners fully dressed. You stand facing each other with the greatest distance between you as permitted in the in the room that you're in, but at least 10 feet apart, like three meters apart. You just stand there. And after three minutes, one the partner says, stop, having decided that the experiment is over. The experiment continues the next time you can do an experiment, whenever you request. So you start off each time in the way determined by the person doing the experiment, in this case, fully clothed, 10 or more feet apart. And this time, the next time the woman, a person may say, take one step forward, stop like this. So this is a this is a way to regain radical reliance on yourself, radical reliance on your communication, radical reliance, you know, reliance on your partner's participation in the experiment. So then you say, take one step backward, and the partner does that. And that then may be the end of the session. Next time you do the experiment, but, but it's just, I want to emphasize, it's so important for the person doing the experiment to use the word stop, because it's a new word in our vocabulary. No and stop are not words in our vocabulary. And so it's, it's about an empowerment of the word stop and using it so that the stop comes from not your mind, not your child ego state or your gremlin ego state. It comes from you centered in you. Stop. And then the, and have the experiment be finished for that time. The next session continues. And so you can say, take three steps forward. Stop. Slowly reach out your right hand. Stop. So these can be further instructions. So your partner reaches out their right hand towards you. Then you say, stop. With one finger, touch my left shoulder, but don't touch. Reach out, yeah. Reach out toward my left shoulder. With one finger, reach out toward my left shoulder, but do not touch me. It's another way of saying stop. Reach out your finger. Do not touch me. So these are. there will be fear coming up. There will be sadness coming up. There's a lot. The point of this is to just go one step at a time and very, very slowly so the empowerment comes back. Because if you do this experiment you know, one day, the whole 24 hours before you do an experiment again, the person who's experimenting is integrating their power to say stop, to say I want this, to say I don't want that, to be in contact, to trust their communications, to make boundaries. Like All this is integrating day after day after day. So it's not just a short exercise. After more sessions, the person might come to say, take your shoes off, you know, take your coat off, take three steps forward, stop, put both hands on both of my shoulders, stop, take your hands off, stop, take two steps backwards, stop, put your hands back on, stop, et cetera, et cetera. Take one half step further forward, stop, you know, kiss my forehead, stop, stay there and don't move, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So every move is orchestrated by the person in their own time as they observe and digest their body's subtle reactions from the past and their own empowerment that's occurring right now in the experiment. So there's a huge healing stuff that far more people than I ever thought 
need. Like we really need this kind of work. The realization that your feelings and reactions are from another situation in another time with another person, it separates, it gives you this power to separate these things from each other, the present circumstances from the past. You can separate those. You can distinguish them. In the present circumstances with your partner, you now have the power to say stop and any and every detail of the action is in your power. This is so, it's it's huge stuff. It's small, it's subtle, and it's outside of the patriarchy. Were you going to say something? No. It's like this complete experiment is outside of the patriarchy because in the patriarchy, people like people higher up in the hierarchy own the people below them in the hierarchy. In the hierarchy, in the patriarchy, men own the women, men own the children, men own the property, men own the house, etc. Men own the bank account. So that's in the patriarchy. And this whole experiment is outside of the patriarchy. So in the present circumstances with your partner, you have regained the power to say stop or start about any and every detail of the interaction. Exercising your power to say stop gives you back your power to say go. You know, so much of patriarchy is the the go is assumed. You know, it's a completely smashed over by a tractor, like a steamroller, just smashes over all of this. And all of this is where intimacy is happening. This is where intimacy is happening. So this edge work experiment can totally heal even the most terrible old wounds and give you a fresh start to be physically and energetically and intellectually and all kinds of intimacy together. It gives you the power to have that back. Sonia. Somebody said go and you showed up. Hello. Hello. What's your message for us? Mm. I was thinking about the, the abuse and now I am exploring if the messages that I have in my bodies of abuse, they are coming also from my mother. And I am starting to open this door and I want to leave this here because I have this hypothesis that it also comes from the lineage and it stays. Yeah, it stays until somebody handles it. And it could be you or it could be your daughter or it could be your granddaughter, something like that. If you don't handle it, you pass it on. Habet, were you going to say something? Yes, I am. I, yeah, I'm. I'm shocked. I'm sad and scared because yeah, it makes so much sense to me. And when you said that about stop, um, so my ass starts now biting me like biting my breast and I said stop several times and she didn't stop and 
Yeah, I, I see that there are still these wounds in me. And uh, like, like you said, Sonia, and immediately those voices telling me to function or to mm. be nice with her or to not scare her, like things that block me from noticing this. Yeah, this is what's alive in me right now. Okay. And I don't want to pass it on. I don't want. Yeah. Can I share something with you a bit? <laughs> yes. Yes. Thing. And it was, you know, I'm the dad, so I didn't get to nurse, but I used it in other ways. I used it. I'll give I'll give the example from my wife at the time, and I'll give my own example. So the example from my wife at the time is she she learned from other home birthing, homeschooling moms and who were nursing their babies that the word stop is it, it isn't connected in the physical body of a child until you connect it as the mom. And so the way that she connected it, and it did not take very long at all, was if she said stop and the baby did not stop biting, she took her finger like this and went right in her head. Bam! Just like this. Stop! Like that. Same exact word, you know, but with this impulse. You know, it's not a big deal. But the message comes across. And if you do not deliver the message, the message won't come across. So you say stop. It doesn't stop. The next is stop. That's what that means. It means stop. And this empowers her to also say stop. And so it needs to be reversed the other way around. So when when a, when our kids would, you know, we're putting beans on their plate, you know, expecting them to eat the beans, they go stop. I stopped. I take the bean, you know, I took the bean. I said, I'm sorry. You know, I took the beans off the plate. They said, so it was this cool agreement that we know what the word stop means. Both directions. It's not like it only works from the parent to the child. It works both directions, which is a whole new thing for parents to get. And the, the way the way that I used it was when when my one or one and a half year old daughter would were laying on the floor, were playing with some blocks, and she came up and and hit me just with you know with her hand. You know, like, and of course, it did not hurt me, but I behaved as if it did. I said, oh, stop it. Don't hit me. And I stood up and I walked away. End of playing. It only took once or twice, like a couple of times. And that was, she stopped hitting me. You know, it's like, that's how this communication works. There are consequences. It's about consequences. It's connecting the words to the actions. Because words have power. And it's also possible for a child's gremlin to ignore the power of the words. But as a space holder in this space, words have power and they work like this. So that those are two experiments you could try. So it isn't it isn't about not scaring her or not uh, whatever, or not scaring her, what is shocking or whatever it is. It's about scaring her and shocking her. It's like, hey, hey, wake up. Hey, this is real. Not pretend. And that's what this whole exercise is about. Stop is real.
no is real. Also then go is real. And I mean, so, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it seems so similar to the experience that you were doing with your, you know, your space holders. It's like that making it safe is not making it comfortable. And it's actually making it safe for you, for her, and and for her. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Herbert. Yeah. I mean, I'll just tell it. There's also one more time where I was using this, which is, you know, the kids are a little older and have more power. And we're in a, a place like visiting my boss. We were visiting at a dinner time at my boss's place at the time. And, and I said, and they were playing and it was fun for them. But I said, it's time to go. And they just completely, you know, ignore, wanted to ignore me. And so what I did was I got direct, I go directly in front of them. Can I do this with you? Mm -hmm. And I, and I basically take their little face and I just go like this. So there's complete eye contact and I let go. I say, it's time to go. And then they go, oh, okay, dad. You know, okay, okay. Get my coat on, get my shoes on. But it's, if you don't make the communication, they won't get the communication. So it's our job. It's your job to make the communication. So this is really important stuff. So, so, so few people teach it, whatever. But there's consequences. Thank you for bringing that up a bit. It's totally the same thing. It's totally the same thing we're talking about. Was, was somebody else saying something? Yes. Mm -hmm. I was reading the sexual abuse website. Yes. And there's this amazing article there about the situation where a mother is seeing her child being tickled by her stepfather and it's about her stand of saying no and and it's amazing and i really encourage everyone to read it because it is as um, i'm going to use the words simple and small and it's not simple or small it's abuse and it goes as far as to tell a child, a child to kiss someone that they don't want to. And it's this awareness of what actually is abuse. And this article brings this up very clearly. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I realized that I got abused so many times with tickling, with kissing, with all this. I never saw me as a, as, no, that's not true. Yeah. And, and I sensed the, the biggest effect was on the energetic level. I abandoned my energetic presence and I start to regain that. And in every conversation I, I have in, in, in this, um, Beispiele, examples, examples. Uh, Clinton, you did how you are, um, communicating with your children. 
it was not it, it was for me it was clear okay it is not only the thing or the the the, the eye to eye it it was also a, a fully energetic presence yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's what i wanted to say which opens up collaboration wonderful kinds of collaborations because they're clear from the child, from the parent, clear. And it's it's a fabulous building of basis, a groundwork, foundation, upon which to explore intimacy and also explore in general, just explore things. Yeah. And right now there comes a situation into my mind, I would like to get coaching from you, from from all of you. <laughs> I I was drove um, from the airport to the town. I t- took a taxi, and the taxi driver treated me like a child. And I'm I was playing this role. He even made like this, and of for sure he took too much money. And yeah, I'm a grown up, thirty uh, forty three old woman. And I'm not able to to handle such a situation. I'm adapting, and and I tried to negotiate about the price, and, but at the end it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. So, if there are any ideas or possibilities or coaching, there's a beginning I'm, of a I'm, website called Asshole Training. Asshole Training. And there's not, what? there's not enough on there. You are not an asshole enough. And if you, yes. cannot, you cannot be an asshole, <clears throat> then you're a child. Yes. And people can tell. People can detect from the other side of the street mm-hmm. if you're an asshole or not. They can. These people who are abusers, mm-hmm. they look down the street and they can see from across the street, there's a field. And the way you react to their field they know if you're an asshole or not. Tell the story I heard. There, there was an experiment made from people who had raped women. They were all in prison. And they gave, it was maybe four or five or six of these men. And they showed the same uh, video of a metro station. And they said, who would you choose? You know, who would you choose as your, as your victim? And all men chose the same woman. Because that's what... Clinton is talking about is that we can scan. And so it's about who you are being. And this is about changing your self-identity, changing your self-experience about being an asshole. And there's so many ways to practice doing that. I mean, even we've been realizing how important it is to be able to walk down the street in the shopping zone with your arms up. For no reason. You walk with, right through the shopping mall. You just have your arms straight up like this. And you can walk. You have your center grounding cord bubble, arms up. You're walking through this space. It's a very beginning asshole practice. There's so many, you know, saying no, saying stop. That's part of it. But it's really about being able to say what you want and and trying things that are not, that do not fit, you know, that are not, that are, they are not expected, you know, come up with a reason 
why you should be able to to st stand in front of the post office line. So you don't stand in the line. You go up to the front and you you make up a bullshit reason why you need to go in front of everybody else and do it. It's being an asshole, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's thousands of ways. So please, please uh, check out that website. Do the experiments and become an asshole. Katrin Yela, the asshole. You can start signing wow. your letters, your emails and messages. So, love Katrinella, the asshole. The newly born, <laughs> newly born, freshly hatched, dangerous <laughs> asshole. So I, I'm providing an asshole training at the moment. Well, excellent. <laughs> we teach best that which we most need to learn. Yes. But obviously, I'm, I'm, <clears throat> yeah, maybe, yeah, okay. But Just... Catherine, so, so there you are. This is your X on the map. And so bring that into the next, bring that into your next session. Do you know, role playing. How many people are being children? You know, that's the question. And then do role playing. Yeah, have, have, you just described the taxi driver from Georgia. No, you role play the taxi driver. Yeah. I mean, it's, play somebody's role playing and somebody's, you know, learning how to be with an asshole. You know, these guys are asshole. You cannot be a taxi driver anywhere in the world without being a complete asshole. It's a requirement for the job. <laughs> Katrine, Julia Newman and I are holding space for an hookable dojo which is exactly about that. We're role-playing these things, and we discovered that before you can be an asshole, you need to be unhookable. Because you, if you're getting hooked, you cannot be an unconscious asshole. You're just yeah. being hooked. So we're practicing that every week from... from seven. You can check more the details with me, but like... Yeah, can you put it in the we're just practicing that and, and we're going to have a training about that also in, in five weeks. Put, the, put it in the yeah, chat. Door. door, we can't really yeah. hear you. Your internet is not working so well. So put the details in the chat and we'll spread it around. So important. Thank you. I, yeah, I will. Thank you. And I notice for being an asshole, you need before also to not to do it with a wall, but to, you need to be connected to be an asshole. It sounds like a, uh, contradictory but if not you are reinforcing your box instead becoming a real asshole so there is mm, yeah it is about centering being in your being and automatically you are not building a wall but building a connection in the space and then you can be the asshole yeah mm -hmm. 
Thank you. Mm-hmm. And because it's not like you're painting a pretend mask on, like you're telling, try to imagine that I'm an asshole. You, it doesn't not work like that. You need to actually be in contact and go, I am an asshole. <laughs> I am an asshole. And then they get it. Oh my God, mm-hmm. this person is not pretending to be an asshole. They are an asshole. Mm-hmm. And then, and then in the message, they say, okay, okay, got it, got it. And this is how you negotiate. I mean, it's really, it's really like steering a car, you know, and you're, if your car needs to turn that much, but you only turn the wheel this much, your car will crash. You get that? If you're if you're in a boat and you have the tiller in your hand and you go, come about, you know, and the boat needs to go like this, but you do not move the, the tiller enough. So the rudder does not move enough. It doesn't work. So being an asshole is being in connection with reality. It's really what it is. And is if you're representing reality as 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 reality, and not pretend reality, not approximate reality, not some approach where a possibility like reality might be in that direction. No, this is reality, and you, we have to go so far as to call it being mm-hmm. an asshole because we're so trained to be civilized or nice or sweet or good. So we're beat into this. So that's why we have to go so far as to call it being an asshole because it feels like that. Mm. And I notice it's helpful to anchor in uh, my center when I say I'm an asshole now. And then I do it with the full anger. The full power of my feelings. Yeah. And and there's something else that I have experimented that is I actually make the connection from my heart to the person's heart. And if it comes out of my emotional fear and my compass of reality is on the outside, it, it my bodies can sense it and there isn't a sense of ah yes it's it's completed and when it comes from me from what i really want from me saying this is not okay this is my limit it comes the anger is cleaner and sharper and when i say it is this I'm relaxed. Something, something just relaxed in my system. Thank you. Yeah, and the relaxation comes from speaking the truth. Did you get that? No. Say it again, Ingrid. Will you say it again? The relaxation hmm. comes. Um, speaking the I mean, the way I would say it different because you know the truth is a dangerous place to be, but it's to yeah. say what is. Yeah, my truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even your truth, yeah. 
I wouldn't really use that word because it's like my truth against your truth. And then it's a, you know, it's a war religion, but it's to say, if you, like you say, it's to relax because you're saying what is yeah connection with reality. And it's like, there is no arguing. Yeah. You're saying what is in the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Truth is is in the future or the past in the moment is what is. Yeah. But there's, for example, in the training at the lab in New Zealand, we some people had lost their possibility stones. And so we said, you can buy a new possibility stone for three euros, not three New Zealand dollars, three euros, and, and, and give it to us before the end of the training. So a woman did not give us the three euros or six New Zealand dollars before the end of the training. She did not. And she did not write about it. So, and Chloe said, I've, that you may not come to any other trainings, any labs. You may not come anymore until you pay the three euros. And not only that, but the price goes up every week. Yeah, every week it doubles. Every week it doubles. Next week it's six euros. The week after that, 12 euros. Next week after that, 24 euros. I don't, and she says, and I don't, you know, that's it. Mm-hmm. So, when you can, that's being an asshole. Can, can, I, can yeah. I add? So actually that happened in the first lab in New Zealand. So we decided because of that shit was happening and we didn't want to be a victim of this is that in the second lab, same thing. People wanted, you know, a new stone that they lost it and same deal. It was three euros. And we say, if you don't pay by the end of the day, the stone is a hundred euro by the end of the day. And everybody paid immediately you know, in the, in the following 12 hours. Yeah. And so it's not pretend, this is not a pretend deal. And so that's what, that's when you're Ingrid talking about your center, when you're speaking Mm -hmm. from your center, it's go, this is, it isn't the truth, but it is. So this is how it goes like that. And so we can, there's every dimension of our life can work that way. It's so simple and so wonderful Mm -hmm. to rest in like you said like you said so you relaxed you can rest in the clarity of the consequences of your deals of the way you're negotiating stuff with people you just and you just rest in that clarity it's relaxing and you can just handle stuff from there I see we have some homework to do, some practicing to do. Uh, I'm sort of jumping back to this conversation about... Um, it was bad. Yeah, I noticed that <clears throat> one one mechanism inside that keeps me from doing these asshole moves is that I, I again, I start thinking about the consequence and then... I think, well, I can't do the thing like you said, well, it's a hundred euros at the end of the day because who are, like, what would I do if they still don't pay? And like, would I go into their room, find the stone, rob the stone? No, I wouldn't. So I, so that uh, there's this, like my box anticipates how far would it go and then creates this story of, yeah, in the end, I'm powerless. And that stops me from from being energetically as clear as as you like as you pointed out, Aunt Chloe. And I think actually that's that's yeah deeply ingrained this 
well, okay, in the last consequence, what would happen? I mean, what I would say, you know, in, <clears throat> it has never come to that. You know, in my, in, in the situation where, you know, this woman, you know, if she, whatever, because, because pe when people actually sense the, I mean, whatever, the stories about how far can I go, you know, my answer is I will go all the way. And if you don't have that answer in you, then it's like Clinton says, your stand is not real and people can feel it and they will fuck up with you. You know, they will, they will screw you over. But the fact that the reality of, you know, how far would this needs to go, it almost, it almost never happens that it has to go to, you know, I'm going to call the police, you know, I mean, how, how far further away can it go than that? Yeah, I actually think that this thinking about how far would I go and re rehearsing these consequences, it's actually just a, a gremlin move to disempower me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh God, what would happen? Would I really do that? No, I wouldn't see you wouldn't. And then, okay, I can't do this. So, but you've got a story and only you can decide the story. And the story is, am I powerful? Am I not powerful? In this world, do I cause consequences or are there, or am I meaningless? Am I powerless? Who gets to decide that? And if you, You, of course, you can find evidence for any story. You can find evidence that you're powerless, of course, but that you don't have to have that story. So the suggestion is to be a person in archaearchy. You have the story. I'm powerful. And do you have evidence to support the story that you're powerful? Yes. If you make a mistake, you can apologize. That's power, etc. And you can, can you can say I changed my mind. You know, you can also say I have the power to change your mind. Say, you know, remember I said that. Well, I changed my mind. I'm just never going to talk to you again, or whatever. You know, I'm not making deals. With, whatever the thing is, but you can keep the story that you're powerful and function in the world. You can live in the world powerfully. And you can yeah. do experiments such as. You know, you're holding space for, for people and practice kicking somebody else out of your space. You know, you only need to do it one time to know that you can do it. But that, you know, if you can do that, it's like, okay, I, I can do it. And then you have it in you. But it's hmm. like these experiments. Because that's what would have happened if somebody didn't pay the, you know, the three euros or the hundred euros, we say, You, you can't, you know, you can't be in the lab. Out. Things like that. Yeah. So, It's like the martial artist that would go in the street. Nobody would mess with him because he's such a good martial artist. People can feel that, but he needed to practice that. So maybe you, you do these experiments and that's your evidence. Like this little experiment that you are, what they're talking about, you're powerful. But you need to, like, maybe you need to build that, mm -hmm. you know, to do some experiments and to feel that, oh, I'm a badass. Like, they wouldn't even dare. And then it's in your system and they really wouldn't dare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the other is to give yourself permission to be wrong or bad and then correct that as opposed to having to not do it in the first place. I yeah. yelled at my sister because she was giving a dog food from the table. 
mm. right there in front of me. And I stopped her very rudely. And later I took it back and said, I wish I'd had the words to explain to you not to do that because this is somebody else's dog. And just because you do it with your dog doesn't mean you can do it with this dog. But I did that afterwards and I still stood up for it in the moment because it was like, don't do that. That ruins the dog. They'll sit there and beg everything after that. So, so I wonder if you have given yourself permission to make the mistake to be bad. in the moment. Because life happens way too fast to be like, oh, what? Oh, you know, it's like it, it's fast and you're going to get it wrong the first time. And it's like, eh. and my sister's still talking with me. So it couldn't have been too bad. <laughs> it's just you have to be clear there's a difference between a badass and an asshole. <laughs> it's very different. <laughs> I was being bad for a good reason. And, and it's not really a reason, but it's like I was being authentic in the moment. And I wasn't trying to attack her or being like, you're an asshole. It's like, don't feed the dog from the table, period. Thank you. So, Ava, what, what story do you decide? I'm feeling angry at the moment because I have the impression that I couldn't really say what I mean. Like I have been doing these badass experiments. I've been like, I'm, yeah, I'm a bit, probably I'm also reactive. I don't like, it feels like, yeah, I've been doing these experiments for over a year now. And I think it's deeper. I think it's ingrained from you yourself. Know. You should have seen yourself a year ago. Eva, you are a very different person than you were a year ago. Hey. Yeah. I know. And I'm still, asking you yeah. a different question. I'm asking you the question, are you powerful or are you, are you not powerful? The image that you have of Ava Daubert, are you powerful? This is your story. I want to hear your story. So far you told us you're not powerful. At the moment, I think I have the story. I'm not playing the game. It, it's like this. Okay, I'm I'm on this, you know, from believing I'm not powerful to okay, I can see there's there's both stories and I'm I'm in between. I'm not really deciding. So this is Ingrid's thing, then you're building a wall. Mm. I'm not playing the game. Just yeah. do whatever you I don't care. I'm over here. Yeah. I'm not deciding. I'm just not and then you have a wall. And the whole yeah. thing is about being connected, being in connection. Yeah, that's where I am. It's it's, it's so, painful and it's good to see. And yeah, the experiment is for the next fifty people you see. It's part of your conversation. You say, "I'm powerful." Eva, <laughs> <laughs> look at that. They, I think. I used to have this story about myself that I was not powerful. I changed my mind. Now I have this story that I'm powerful. Mm. Hello, my name is Ava Dalbert. Powerful. <laughs> I watched this documentary yesterday about goddess cultures. So, 
This looks like you're trying to change the subject. I no, it's the same I'm, subject. It's, I can connect to that powerful goddess. And I'm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got some confirmation from the Marcus Bork department. Yeah. <laughs> there he is. Okay. <laughs> Let us Deal. know how it goes, Ava. Yes. Okay. I and, hate it already. <laughs> and Eva, this um your example is a little bit what I meant when I said it's impossible to create something bad. Mm-hmm. When you think that your circumstances Ah, ah, this empowering you. It's your box, your story. It's not true. Yeah. Thank you. Mm Good. I'm, I keep being astonished by, you know, this is a 600 page book we're reading and it does, it's not big enough. It doesn't have all the, all this stuff in it. It's like, it's like so many facets are totally important or central to connection or intimacy or being, being your, being present, you know, being there. There's so many facets to this that are uh, important and, and central to it. So um, I'm just keep getting blown away why why we have to spend you know in school you know, 14 years studying reading, writing, and arithmetic, and nothing about being an asshole. There's not one asshole class in the entire school system. So and there's so much to to bring in about dimensions of that. We have about 12 minutes left. Fart in public. This is the next experiment. <laughs> fart, really, this is right there in the book. Page 237, fart in public. A family doctor friend of mine practicing in an area populated by gypsies. It's a true story. It's in France. This guy, Guy Ferret, is a doctor. I know his name. He, he told me this story. And he said that... Um, in his doctor's office, this gypsy woman came to him as a neurotic wreck because her husband swore that if he ever heard her fart, he would divorce her. Even if she farted at night in bed while she was sleeping, farting at night, she had, if he heard her fart, he would divorce her. So, so this is a true story. She came in, her whole intestines were in a knot. Her nervous system was in breakdown. She was in complete collapse because of this shit. So, so here's the experiment. Learn to fart in front of your partner. 
play around with making basic mistakes in the presence of your partner. So first of all, if you're not a trained trainer, you don't have a fart in reserve. Like a trainer's skill is to have a fart in reserve. So whenever you need to fart to emphasize a point <laughs> that you have in reserve. On the first public talk, I have to tell this story. The first public talk I ever gave, I had a large banana squash. It's a curb. It's a banana squash next to me all the time in a stand and I was using the the squash as a bullshit detector so anytime I or anyone in the audience would say bullshit it would wiggle like this of course I had to put my hand on it to keep it from jumping out of the but anyway that was the bullshit detector so after the whole talk I took the squash up and I got out a big knife and I said look the inside of this squash is real air because you know squash these ones they have a big space inside and it's not contaminated with nitrous oxide and all this plastic vapors and all this stuff. It's pure real air inside. So I'm going to cut the squash open and I bring it to you and I open the squash and you have a chance at the end of this talk to smell the real air. So I'm, I'm bringing this squash around to different people and they're, they're sniffing this real air out of the squash. And I, and I get to this professional banker lady. We, we were giving the talk in the bank and she she lived, she worked in the bank and she wanted to come and see what the talk was about. And she said, no, no, you know, I'm not going to breathe the real air out of the squash. You know, the air out here is just fine. And that is when I used my fart. <laughs> right there. And, the, and she goes, everybody's howling, you know. She goes, okay, I need some real air. And she did it. So a trainer has to have a fart in his So, So this is about being able to make mistakes in public or make faux pas as you call it in French faux pas, faux pas. so um and let your partner make these mistakes in in your presence so for example you take cha-cha lessons the kind of dancing or slow waltz and fox cry dance lessons with your partner and so someone would have to totally love you to risk looking as stupid as one looks when you're making mistakes in beginning foxtrot dance classes. I don't know if you know how foxtrot goes, but it's very difficult. And it's if you make mistakes. So this is that was one of the intimacy experiments is learning to fart in front of your partner, making mistakes in front of your partner. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> We still have a few minutes. <laughs> I just want to say this story that I, for 10 years, I was a professional swimmer and I basically got to swim with men because I was faster than most women in. And so I would only basically swim with guys. So I grew up really with guys. And there was this whole thing about learning how to burp. And so with Clinton, I've been trying to teach him how to burp but I still win. <laughs> <laughs> but he wins. He wins with the heart. So. <laughs> make a great team. So <laughs> All right. Look, at, I'm still on page 237. There's two more experiments, I think. Share from the bottom. This is an experiment. <laughs> You probably already spend an evening now and then in the movies or the theater with your partner. 
this edge work experiment is to spend an evening now and then at an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, not at the movies. You go together to an AA meeting or adult children of alcoholics. It's an ACA meeting. You find them every town, every week. You know, you can find these meetings. Go there. Go to the meetings with your partner. Even if alcohol was never a part of your family, it is definitely the drug of choice in Western civilization. We were just talking about how we watched an old movie last night called uh, A Year, The Year of Living Dangerously with Mel Gibson and Sigourney Weaver. And it's a great movie. I like it. And, and, but in the movie, it's everybody's smoking all the time, just smoking all the time. Well, if you look at a movie now, people aren't smoking all the time, but they're drinking all the time. They are drinking all the time. And this goes in. So find what it means to hit bottom. That's what, that's what you're doing. Instead of watching a movie about hitting bottom, you actually go to these <clears throat> meetings where people are trying to hit bottom. They're trying to be so egoistically disassembled as to have no choice but to be perfectly vulnerable. You get that? This is what it means to hit bottom. Is you've got no choice. You're so egotist, egoistically destroyed that you've got no choice except being radically honest. So practice speaking out with your partner next to you in those meetings to share at those meetings. Practice speaking out at this level of radical vulnerability and bring this ability to share in your relationship, in your relating. Same level. You walk out of the meeting, you don't stop relating like that. Maybe it's not very appropriate to share a movie. Well, you're saying, no, don't go to the movie. But this movie with Denzel Washington called Flight is is about that. It's about right. hitting bottom. It's great. What a great film. On the list. That's on the list. Here's another experiment. Accept your partner's humanity. Invite your neighbors over for dinner. In your interactions, track how subtly and completely your box seeks out the differences between itself and your neighbor's boxes and uses the differences to establish separation between you and your neighbors. You get this? You're inviting these kind of ordinary people over into your home and you're having this meal with them and your box is going, God, they didn't ask one interesting question. You know, your box is going, these people are talking about sports. You know, these people want to know, you know, there's not, they have a dog. Their whole conversation's about their, and your box is doing this to create separation between you and your neighbors. So, so instead of that, this experiment is to give the majority vote to a different part of yourself with a different purpose. And instead, make your purpose to find examples of your simple common humanity, the things you have in common with those people. Nothing special needs to come from that dinner. It's not about, you know, being friends with your neighbors forever. It's not what the point is. The point is, do not, for example, do not expect that they will invite you over to their place in return. Don't, it's not, that's not what the experiment is. This experiment is to leave the evening with a broader understanding of what it means to be human. 
and use that new level of acceptance also with your partner. And since we have <clears throat> another one is find your break in reality. Find your break in reality. So this, this experiment is to visit an old people's home or a hospital for the mentally ill and find a way to listen to people's stories. And, and I, when I was doing this, it was also, you not only listen to the patient's stories, you need to listen to the doctor's and the caretaker's stories because it's just as crazy. So you sit there, you make contact with either the caretakers or the, the patients. Your purpose is to listen to what they say and find how similar it is to the stories that you tell yourself and others on a daily basis. You know, like you might tell yourself a story, something like, I'm not powerful, you know, something like that. Also listen for each person's break with reality. So you can hear when a person's stories break with reality. And that's what this experiment is, is find your own break with reality. I mean, so, that means contact with reality or that actually like, separation with reality? It's a mimetic thing about how how reality goes like this, but your story goes like this. Mm. You know, it's like that. there's a crack right there. Find that place. So you listen for each person's break with reality through their phrases, you know, the phrases they use, the speech patterns or the attitudes their box uses to avoid taking responsibility. So that's the crack. It's where your box uses a story to avoid taking responsibility for creating their life as it is. That's the crack. You know, this happened, but, you know, and it's not my fault and it's somebody else's fault and blah, blah. Like there's the crack where you are trying to avoid taking responsibility for creating a life exactly as it is for you. You created that way. And to tell a different story is a crack. So notice this same tendency in yourself and share what you notice about yourself with your partner. We made it past page 237. So we're now on page 238. Pat ourselves on the back. <laughs> off to the week. <laughs> Go off into the week. Fabulous experiments. Any last words from anyone? Thank you. Okay. Thank you. All right. You guys. Thank you. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Bye. Hey, Marcus. Bye. Bye. Bye, Alice. Bye. Bye, Anglui. See you.